0: Training Tuesday.
1: Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. All right, two weeks ago, I did a 7,500 foot hill rep workout, and my quads and a little bit of hips were really, really, really sore. Yesterday, and I've worked out all throughout this and done some quality work, I go and do another hill workout, but this time on a staircase, and my Achilles soleus calves, back of my legs, are so shot this morning. You ever feel that difference between two different types of hills, how it rocks front versus back, completely differently?
0: 100%, especially cement hills. You might as well say good, or cement stairs. You might as well say goodbye to your calves for the next three to six days, for example.
1: They're so shot.
0: And I didn't rip any descents. I was going to say, and it can be from going down, even if you're not going down hard, just the way that calf has to, or that foot has to hit and absorb. Oh, yeah. Did you go to Concordia? I did. Yeah. I went to Concordia yesterday. God, I got fond memories of that place. And that's the worst news. This is just
1: yesterday. I'm a two day after kind of guy. So when I'm, when I'm sore
0: day one, I know that I'm in for a wheelchair on day two. You know, you've been, let's use the word complaining let's we'll say complaining. And this isn't yeah. a bad thing. You've been complaining yeah. a bit more lately about how your body's feeling, which I take as a really good thing because you're, you've are you been able to swing in ways you haven't been able to swing in, dare I say, months or even years. And so you're going through like these new big stimulus, like growing pains, and it's really good. You haven't mentioned your knee in months. You haven't mentioned mm-hmm. other things that have nagled you in the past. It's just like Dude, Cracker's getting after it. And yeah, he's getting a little messed up from these big workouts. Like, that's a good thing, dude. (laughs) Yeah, these first new
1: stimulus back on anything. So I did that first big hill workout, rocked my quads. I did this first stair workout back, and it rocked my calves. And I did my first threshold, like, steady state run. I've I've been doing split tempos and things like that. I just did a straight 24-minute tempo at 6% the other day. And by the end of that, my feet and calves and hip flexors retired from the sustained work, but the first round of everything back here now is rocking me a bit, but in a a stable way. Yesterday I was getting warning signs throughout the workout, but none of them were the potential of injury, which unfortunately is now the lens I look at every warning sign through because for the last five years now everything's led to an injury, but things right now are stable underneath me. But as a result, I'm also, outside of that birthday hill workout, which was intentionally above and beyond and dumb, but outside of that, I'm not overreaching anywhere. I think I've officially just learned. Yesterday, my plan was to do three rounds of threshold work, and I, in the middle of the first one, I realized this is going to be too much work, and so I didn't reach for more. It was like two would be good, three would be great, but what could come from that? Is there diminishing returns? Yes, but there are
0: exponentially higher risks. So I think I'm maturing. Live to fight another day is is a very good philosophy to yeah. train by. I'm going to do a split tempo workout tomorrow. Yeah. Can, you guess, can you guess what it will be? I just thought about this on my recovery run oh. today. I'm, you know, a quality to quality intuitive right now, meaning like I won't decide until a few days out. I can feel what I think my body needs, which is a, a really interesting spot to be in when you're going about it that way but anyways on my recovery run today my might just spoke to me like this is what you should do tomorrow i'm gonna go to the track so i would guess one of two things you're just gonna be on the track Mm-hmm.
1: which probably means there's quarters involved okay so then it's gonna be one of one thing <laughs> yeah you're gonna do two by two mile with four to eight by four
0: hundred in the middle you're very close. Okay. I, you're right. I'm doing pretty standard. I'm going three miles, eight by a quarter, three miles. I think I'm going to try to go for eight miles of quality. Ooh. Just three miles, three like minutes that. rest in between, and then quarters. We'll we'll see. That was – you pretty much nailed it. You said two miles with quarters in between, but same, same. I did a very similar workout the other day. I did
1: 15 minutes at 15%, then, then- OCR 90-second intervals.
0: And then back to 15
1: minutes. So very similar.
0: Like literally I'll be running for maybe 16 minutes on the front and back half. So almost identical actually. Yeah. Yeah. The the magic of those split tempos are that last cash out. Like, okay, we can get through the mm-hmm. buy-in tempo portion. We can, Those intervals are going to seem really sharp, but they're so short compared to what you just come off of with the tempo that you'll get through them. And then where you find out where your fitness is at is when you cash out, if you can maintain your buy-in pacing, you know, you're in a really, really good spot. That's how I look at it. It really is. And I'm kind of there,
1: but I'm like at the step before that, where it allows me to get 30 to 50 minutes of work in where I couldn't do that continuous right now Mm. or continuously. So I can split it into three chunks of 10 to 15 minutes Or like yesterday, I started with uh, 16-minute rounds, I think, 16 or 18, and I didn't get to the third one. But had I tried to go 30 to 40 minutes straight, I would have cracked. So it's allowing me to get more work in with less pounding because I'm switching what I'm doing. And then eventually, yeah, my cash-out is going to really drive fitness.
0: That's how I think. And I think the sweet spot, if if you're feeling injury-free and and you want to race a gamut of things, I think five to eight miles of quality, whether that's an eight mile tempo or threshold session, or it's five miles of intervals. I think if you can accumulate that five to eight mile range of quality, which I know sounds like a lot, I think you race down to the 5k beautifully. I think you are prime for a 10k and all the way up to the half marathon. I think if you can create your quality sessions Mm -hmm. from that five to eight, you're going to be ready to span that whole thing, which is kind of what I'm trying to do right now. So we'll see if it works.
1: Yeah. And then that, if you can get to where the, where eight is sustainable for you, bumping up to that 10 to 12 or 13 allows you to go as almost as far as you want. I raced three of my ultras and I don't think I did a longer quality day than 13, but I did like five or six workouts where I was between 11 and 13 of quality on the days and then 50K felt really attainable. It's a good launch pad to get to that eight mile of quality.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. It was an interesting approach. We're actually talking training specifics today, folks. By the way, this isn't what we're exactly talking about, but since we're in the weeds, let's just stay there. I, the guy I lost the trail race to, I took second at the Zumbro Trail 17 Miler in April to the same guy, Joshua Mirth. I lost him last year. I lost to him this year. He's going, aiming for Olympic trials qualifying in the marathon at Grandma's coming up, um, which is two seventeen. Under 217, 216. I don't know what Olympic trials qualifying is. He lowered it down, yeah. Anyways, he's very fit. And I saw his approach to his long run this weekend was he did 12 miles on the front half. And then it sound, looked like he reset his watch. 12 miles at like 630 pace. For him, that's probably a recovery type effort. And then he did his last 8 <laughs> mile or 10 miles in at marathon goal pace. So he accumulated like 12 miles of fatigue, reset his watch, five minutes later start, and does like an eight to 10 mile tempo at whatever he's shooting, 5.15s. It's like interesting approach. I never would have thought to like dull my legs completely by running on them for an hour and 20 minutes and then getting to work. It makes a lot of sense for prepping for the marathon. And I just thought like my legs would for sure feel a little flat after 12 miles of, in his pacing plotting for him i just thought it was interesting something i might have to think about i don't know if you've ever done that style but i haven't
1: yeah i I did that during again an ultra block and i did it two different ways one I, i i'd go out to the kettle moraine and i did uh two by one time i did two by nine mile loops and i ran nine easy then nine cut down that style where I'd, and then there's a different trail that was like six or seven. I ran that just smooth and then hopped onto nine and tried to like tempo the nine. So that back half under fatigue, trying to work a good stride. And then the other one was when I was doing, I would do like a 20 mile, uh, steady ish, almost hard, but steady bike ride right into like a 60 minute hill workout. And then the other time I'll go out and get like 90 minutes, casual but steady on the hills into like a 20-mile bike time trial because I couldn't handle the running that that guy Mm -hmm. can run. But I was doing some... I'd get at least an hour of aerobic work in and then try to work. And I felt strong off that. Again, that's when I ran a good fast mile that summer.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I just... It looks like a 12-mile warm-up, right, it, And which is excessive. And then <laughs> yeah, and then into, ridiculous, into, I mean. into like a minute 15 per mile or more drop in pacing, a minute and a half per mile. Like normally, yeah, I've done progression runs. I've done back half where you go out easy, come back hard. This was just like such a glaringly obvious transition. I was just like, it's just interesting to me. I guess if you can run marathon pace after 12 miles of pounding, even if they're slow miles, that should set you up nicely for durability on the back half of a marathon. So it makes sense. It's just like, it's just interesting to me, that's all. I haven't done it. It reminds me a little bit of something Fred Clary
1: talked about, which related to something that Renato Canova talked about back like a decade ago, but it's activating a high percent of your muscle fibers when you're fatigued because there's staying power to that. There's ability to recruit late into a race. He talked about do a 60 minute run, stop and do deadlifts and then go back out for your run. Get them, get that recruited all and then go run. And there's, there's something to that. This is a, this is a marathoners way of doing that. Get fatigued and then go run with a strong stride where now you're going to have to recruit a lot more because you're not fresh and you can't just rely on your main movers to get it done.
0: Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I, uh, I guess we can move on from that tangent. Um, Should we jump into the episode? Should I preface what we're doing? Do you want to get into it? Let's do it. Okay. Um, So we are starting another mini-series. The last mini-series was the 7, the 10, and the 14-day training cycles. Uh, We have another three-part series we're kicking off today. Um, We are going to run through speed, I guess, speed interval training. Like, what is it? Why should you do it? What is it actually accomplishing? And then the different styles. Next week, we're going to do all about threshold, threshold intervals, threshold training. We're going to define it for you. We're going to explain it to you. We're going to give you the what's and why's and how's, and then we're going to dive the following week into the long-running quality, long-run, again, like what we're actually trying to accomplish. It. We're going to define it for you, and we're going to like just split hairs within each of these three, and you had an interesting I don't know if you want to use the gentleman's name or not, but you had an athlete that sort of reminded you that not everybody even understands or knows what speed really means and what it is, right? Why don't you talk about that conversation Mm -hmm. if you'd like?
1: Oftentimes when I start up a new relationship with an athlete, whether it's through consults or through coaching or just messaging on Instagram, there's this misconception about what speed is for runners. They'll say, I just need to work on my speed. I have great
0: endurance. I'm just not fast enough. You hear that all the time. You hear that more than anything. Yeah,
1: all the time. And it's true. But it's it's deeply flawed, often for reasons that aren't apparent at first. But usually what if someone tells me, my endurance is fine, I just need to get faster. I just need more speed work. It generally tells me that they're not totally sure what speed work means or how we should go about getting faster. And so we're starting at the fast end of the spectrum with... Speed work and really explain it to everyone. And the reason we're starting, we're moving into this series is last time with the seven, the ten, and the fourteen day schedules. The purpose of these different schedules is to modulate when and how we do all our quality work. And it's really nice to be able to understand the different re- recovery cycles you can use after the quality session. But now it's important to ensure that we understand what the quality session is, what it should look like, and what we're actually trying to accomplish there. Because sometimes some misunderstanding there will lead to using the wrong training cycle or just implementing the training plan incorrectly. So this seems like the next logical progression of, we've learned about training cycles based around quality days. Now let's make sure we totally understand how to use quality days in order to elicit the response we want.
0: Beautiful, right? We we laid the foundation of your training options, your cycle options, and now we're gonna uh, we're gonna teach you how to fill it in, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So why don't we start out then by defining what speed work is, in your opinion? I have an opinion. Uh, two two, which yes. I think you could you could argue against what I what I would define it as easily. If you gave me the answer, I'm going to give you. I could pick holes in it, but I can keep it simple if you would like, and then you can give me your, your definition of speed training that fair. Yeah. There are definitions in the sport that are set in stone,
1: like VO two max lactate threshold, things like that. And then there are definitions that are very subjective to each person, tempo speed work long run, things like that. So starting with speed work, it's very subjective. So when I think speed work, I think it is all relative to the race you're running. And so I just call it race pace or faster. Speed work is your intended race pace
0: or faster. Yeah, you keep stealing my thoughts here, Bracken. So simply put race pace or faster, and then I will add on the icing on the cake would be working on clean running correct so running with efficient form and typically (laughs) that's a skill in itself but race pace or faster and then running it i don't know with with your but you're working on your best mechanics as well so they they're coupled together i think you always should be doing that but in speed sessions i feel like it's very important that they're coupled together at race pace or faster with good mechanics I think is important.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you said the word skill because I think speed work is comprised of pace-based work and the skill of running fast where you can do, you can do threshold work. You can do long work. You can do that with crappy form and still get a lot out of it. Speed work really helps you the most when it's done well. hundred percent. Like You can get on an assault bike and do threshold work. And your engine doesn't know the difference. Is it a little bit different because you're driving more of your your output through arms? Yes. But engine is engine. The skill component matters a whole lot less when you're talking the chemicals inside your body. When you're talking act- actively propelling yourself through space, skill matters immensely. And so I'm really glad you said the word
0: skill early on. Well, speed work is also efficiency work, like biomechanical efficiency work, which you can't get by going on threshold on the bike. It doesn't work that way. Like, even if a speed session doesn't improve physiological metrics. Like, oh, my VO2 max didn't change. My capillary beds haven't, you know, become more dense. Any of that stuff which we like to throw around from threshold long run stuff. Like, let's say nothing physiological Mm -hmm. changes on paper from this speed session. Like, what really changes from 30-second repeats or 200-meter repeats physiologically? Well, your body's ability to move fast efficiently, for the muscles to fire in a timely manner, for your nervous system to tell your body to go the way it should go. There's this theory, and we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but there's this theory in strength training where in the first six weeks of a strength program, you may look in the mirror six weeks later and not look very different. You may only be a pound up maybe of muscle, but you're moving 20% more weight, and they call that, that's because of neurological adaptation. Your body is learning how to bench press more efficiently. Your body's learning how to squat more efficiently. Everything's clicking and firing in sync, and one of the components of speed sessions is literally that, like it's just l- your body efficiently moving through the range of motion more effectively. And so for any other reason, even physiological metrics aside, being efficient, moving through space fast at a less costly manner is like one of the, the pillars of why speed work is effective for that neurological adaptation. So I thought that was important to precede the conversation. It's perfectly said. You can get better in
1: one day or one week. You can't get better at the marathon in one week. You can't get better at the long run in one week. You can get better at sprinting in one week. You can get better at bench press in one week if you're just focusing on driving things correctly rather than bringing more engine to the table. So speed work does have to address both components and we lump those biologic not biological those physiological adaptations with you know the way that your nervous system fires and all of that your muscle memory that's lumped into skill work. So kind of gone long on that but important to realize that there are really two types of speed work in terms of what you're trying to get out of it and really the skill of running should always be practiced. You should really never run with a sloppy stride. You can run with a reduced version of your stride intentionally if you're doing a long race preparation so that when your stride invariably decays, you're efficient at that stride, but it should still be your best version of that decayed stride. It shouldn't be, I'm just sloppy. So skill work does
0: always matter, but it matters most the faster you're running. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So I want to pose a question to you then. Oh. Do you have something you'd like to add on to that? No, no, no. Pose pose away. Well, obviously we have people who are training for things as short as, let's say, a 5K. I had an athlete race a mile last week, for example, as well, uh, up to ultras. So, like, it's very... Even though speed work we define as race, pace, or faster, which I think should be the pillar of how we define mm-hmm. this, a marathoner, would you consider 3 by 3 miles a speed session? Because most would look at that and be like... I want to just hear what you say, because most people think I'm going to go to the track and rip. I'm going to run 400s, 800s, miles, 30-second repeats, 60-second repeats, where I'm here thinking like as a marathoner, if I'm running three-by-three miles at sub-marathon goal pace, I call that a speed session. But it's also threshold. It could be more than that. So what do you think? Where do you land on stuff like that? Is there a distance that defines speed session? That's what I think I'm asking you.
1: I don't think so, but it's where the definition breaks down of being race pace or faster. If you're training for, let's say you're going to try to set the Western States course record. That's just, maybe not the record, but you're just going to try to get done in under 24 hours. 24 hour race pace, not going to feel like a speed session. So it, it meets the criteria of race pace or faster, but a speed session has a A connotation to it that that workout's not hitting yes i would say that fits the definition doing three by five cab marathon pace is a speed session but you're not going to feel speedy you're not going to feel like you're doing something fast because we also have this 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 image in our mind of i'm doing speed work you're running super fast at the track that's that's generally what most people think of when they think speed work they think
0: track intervals sometimes they think sprint intervals all the answer to all that is yes Yes, that is. Yes. We should talk about, so other than that neurological adaptation piece that we talked about, the other thing, and we talk about like our next, our next training Tuesday is going to be tempo threshold work. We're probably going to lump them together, mostly threshold, but but we talk about your lactate threshold, right? Well, yeah. tell me this. We glorify the longer grindy sessions. We glorify threshold intervals, which are all the, should be the pillars if you're an endurance athlete. But you have to also understand that if you're ripping quarter-mile, eight hundred half-mile repeats, you're accumulating lactate so fast you can't buffer it, and thus it's accumulating to the point where the body starts shutting down, so to speak, tying up, and that feeling where the piano lands on your back is an over-accumulation of lactate in which you cannot push through. Your body can't metabolize it as quickly as it's being created, And so speed sessions on top of the neurological adaptation is just teaching you to like, maybe it's improving your ability to buffer a little bit when the bucket's overflowing, right? So it's actually like physiologically helping you process lactate when it's already overrun. It's just lactate clearance while running fast does, it is trying to happen during speed sessions. It's just, you're working too hard to do it fast enough, but that system learning to work while the buckets overflowed is something that's a skill, but it's a a physiological change that your body is working on as well. So these are what you would call like VO2 max sessions, which you hear thrown around, which are just like really spicy, painful intervals where you start to really feel up working intensely, heart rates way over lactate threshold. Like that's the stuff that your body's learning to deal with when you've got too much lactate in your system. And so that's the other factor in speed work that's really present is like dealing with overload in, in a sense.
1: Yeah, and it's a mental component as much as physical. When you're doing threshold stuff where you're working just at or under your lactate threshold, your body's working on clearing it while you're running. Mm-hmm. When you're doing faster than that work, it can only really work on it during the rest interval. And so you get these constant opportunities to overload your system, feel it, flush it out the best you can and do it again. And then that the mental toll that it takes, but the mental callous it builds up of being able to sit in that place is highly beneficial. So I guess there's a part two definition to speed work. And I think it's the working definition that most people probably operate under, which is faster than lactate threshold work. I think most people would say lactate threshold and above is stamina or endurance or engine work. And if you're under lactate threshold, so 30-minute or under race pace is true speed work. And I don't think I would fight anyone on that because that would eliminate the, well, I'm training for an ultra. Is my race pace stuff speed work? So... I think more often than not, we're talking race pace or faster for 30 minute or under races.
0: Yeah. And you're probably breaching your lactate threshold near the end of these shorter interval sessions, like these shorter intervals you're surpassing. You've gone past the point where you're able to keep up. And that that's probably more of the proper way to define it. I'm glad you said that because physiologically that that would be what's happening, right? Yeah, because you don't have a goal of not breaching. So if you don't care about
1: what your heart rate gets to, that would fall more into in line with what we're doing here. So I want to talk about the misconceptions of speed work first. And and I think the greatest one is that if you're not sprinting, it's not speed work. And if you're not sprinting, you're not raising your high end speed capabilities. So it's a it's an overused analogy, but I still use it myself sometimes, and that is that almost everyone listening to this podcast can run fast enough, physically fast enough, to hold world record pace at anything one mile or or longer. Most runners can run 347 mile pace for 50 meters. Most people can run 431 mile pace, which would be marathon world record, for 100 meters. 200 meters most people can physically move fast enough so when they say i just need more sprint work i need to i'm just not working fast enough in my workouts to be able to pr keep up with these people it's inherently flawed because you can turn your legs over fast enough to do this more sprint works not going to raise your your vo2 max and it's not going to lower your 5k time the way you'd hope And so right away when people think speed work and we apply speed work to the plan, many people are disappointed right off the bat that you're not moving significantly faster. And then they say, well, this isn't speed work. I was thinking we need something faster. That I think we need something faster is a super common response early on working with a new athlete.
0: Yeah, what do you say to that athlete? Because I think I need speed work. And you know in the back of your head every time somebody says that you're like, Yeah, you just need to learn how to buffer lactate, better. That's your problem. We need to work on that. Like absolutely. How do you respond to that? Because speed work is very vital, especially for that last five to ten percent of your performance when you're getting to the pointy end of your performance here. Oh my God, it's so important to pulling it all together, right? Putting a bow tie on your fitness and performance. The present to the box is all the threshold work and the time on feet, and all the speed work is is that pretty little bow tie that puts it all together and makes it perfect when it matters. So it's glorified because it's important. But it's like it's like all the work that nobody sees that's the other stuff that's important. So I'm I'm just curious, how do you address that with an athlete when they say I need more speed? Cuz it's tricky. I try to let them answer it themselves.
1: I try to walk through, all right, let's take a look at your best race distances and let's find like let's plot your racing. A lot of times you'll see someone like, I ran a 505 mile, but I'm a 20-minute 5K runner and I can't break three in a marathon. And then we start going down to like, what do you think you could run 100 in? And finally show them that you probably can run a 100-meter dash as fast as an Olympic trials marathoner. You're faster than many of the people you're racing. You're losing out because you can't sustain a high percentage of that. And then you get to start walking down that. What percentage of that, when you're working at 90% of that, or 80%, or 70 where do you really start to atrophy and fall off? And then we can start centering our speed work around your weak point rather than your fastest point that's difficult. Because speed work's always difficult. You can go run 200 meter repeats as fast as you want and feel like you're really accomplishing something. But the faster you're running, obviously the less amount of time you can spend doing it before you get diminishing returns or burnout. So I like to try to have them self-identify actually what they want versus what they need. Everyone wants speed work. I want to run really fast, but you're never using that stride. So let's just forget about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't want to deter people from speed work because right now we're, we're kind of, you know, we're just kind no, of... No, no, no. Right. So, I well, no, you're exactly right. And I have that version of that same conversation all the time. So it's just, it was worth... Chatting out briefly I I think that the three major components Of what the why Why you should let's not talk about why you shouldn't Let's talk about why you should Is the neurological adaptation I talked about The ability to sit when lactate Can't be buffered out in time So that that burn that Oh my god I the piano on my back Feeling Um, and then the third Mm -hmm. Thing I think the third reason Is the simple word Of perspective Running fast and hard does something chemically in your brain that allows a slightly slower pace to see like rpe rating of perceived exertion seem more relaxed seem easier and comfortable and allows you to sit in that pacing with confidence and comfortability comfortability is relative but it's that whole perspective piece if i'm running five if i'm running 30 seconds per mile faster than race pace When I go out and run race pace, it will seem in control and relaxed. And there's a ton of power to that, allowing to feel comfortable, so to speak, as comfortable as racing can be. And so those are the three pillars in which I think lead the way. And maybe that whole perspective on the RPE scale might even be the most important because it's all about mindset once you're out there. And so for me, that, that's worth it itself. If nothing else changed to know like, wow, 800 meter repeats hurt. They're, they hurt a lot. In fact, that's one of my least favorite repeats is roughly a two and a half minute repeat to three. It's so uncomfortable that like the race isn't going to hurt any more sharply than this. I can handle that. I can put my hand closer to the flame and keep it there now. And so that's the, the third pillar, I think, if I'm going to sell you on it. That I think it's very important. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I see you're nodding your head, so I assume the answer is yes.
1: Yeah, I do agree with that. And and I, and I kind of have an overriding theory of how like wh- where we move to next in this conversation is about what how you actually choose what type of speed to work at. Because we've said race pace or faster, roughly, or thirty minute race pace or faster. So my theory on this is that if we work way too fast we work entirely on the skill of running and a little bit of the physiological stuff and a lot on the mental ability to handle intense pain but we work the farthest from our actual stride we're going to use in a race and if we if we sit at the slower end of how we can do it we sit a ton into the stride we're going to use and the physical act of running we're going to use and the physiological effects inside your body of being able to handle the effects of running longer, better, but we lose that really good recruitment of more muscle fibers. We lose that that efficiency aspect of running faster than race pace. So I think that speed work has to be divided into two camps for most people. You have to delineate skill work from trying to run race pace or faster. And that the bulk of your speed work should happen within a deviation or two of your goal race pace. So if we're talking race paces, what do you think the most common race to train for in, let's say, North America is? What what do you think most people, if they say, "Eh, I'm doing a blank training block this year, emphasis, what, what
0: distance do you think that would be? 5K. I mean, you see a lot of half marathons these days, but somewhere in there, let's say 5K. Let's use that as the example. Well, let's just split the difference then. Let's just say 10K. Okay. For the sake of this, it's in between
1: 5K and a half marathon. Let's just say 10K race, which for most people is a 30 to 50 minute race. So, with that, doing a ton of stuff at, let's say, mile pace, which is, or 3K pace, it's more than a deviation or two from your goal race. And so, you're not going to have a lot of stride carryover but you're going to get a ton of recruitment in there. And doing a lot of stuff at marathon pace is going to be not the stride you're going to be using, but it's going to build a lot of engine work. So like, where's the sweet spot there? Well, the sweet spot is right around 10K pace. And so staying within a deviation of that for your speed work, you can go up to threshold, you can go down to 5K, but your stride outside of one deviation left or right on the on the scale starts to really deviate from the stride you're going to use on race day. So let's say you have this pie chart of, um, of your speed work. I think that also can be divided into like an 80-20 or a 75-25. I think 70 to 80% of your available th- speed work should happen within a deviation or two if you go upwards of your intended race pace. And then the remainder gets to be as fast as you really want.
0: And and does that make sense off the bat? It does make sense to me. I don't know if all our listeners are going to track, so let's let's explore that further, Bracken. So, okay, let's talk about what. Well, ten k example. Well, yeah. Let's let's use let's give some concrete numbers here. Let's say you're a ten k runner and your goal is ten minute pace, roughly an hour long ten k. Okay. Yes. Ten minute pace is what you think on a good day. I'm shooting to run ten minute pace. Can, can we let's talk pacing like a lot of people are like i don't know my 5k pace i don't know let's just say 10 minute pace is your goal race pace who cares the distance what's your deviation what would you pace wise how would you go front or back of that that's where i'd start because i agree with you by the way not to interrupt not to interrupt before you get going but i completely agree with you the most effective speed work is speed work that circles the waters of your intended race pace it's not so far in left field yeah. faster Or slower, it's like it's circling the water. So now the floor is yours. Well, here's the problem. (laughs) I'm going to make it more
1: cloudy at first, and hopefully we clean it up after. And this is why speed work is is difficult for people to implement properly is because most books or training plans out there use percentages of paces to determine what we're going to do. So let's stay within 5% of race pace or whatever, but when you're running 10-minute miles as your pace – It's a really gray area, the difference between 10 and 9.30 and 9.30 and 9 and 9 and 8.30. It gets really hard to pinpoint a second where the pace changes for you. Whereas if you're a five-minute miler, the difference between 5 and 4.55 is very significant on your effort scale. Five seconds or 10 seconds or 15 seconds for a 10-minute mile pace is not as easy to dial in, does this change anything for me? So I don't know how to even accurately give people a scale. I mean, there are calculators out there that will tell you what pace to run at. But when you get to those paces, it's like marathon pace is 1017 per mile and half marathon pace is 1005 per mile. Like, do you feel the difference between 1017 and 1005 when you're doing intervals? I don't think so.
0: So I don't even agree with those. So I actually go the opposite direction, which is stride, Kirk. Well, well just to piggyback before you go down that rabbit hole, because I... I want to make sure it's said, is the important thing about what you're saying, and I agree, is the the slower, in quotes, you are, the larger the discrepancy in pacing will be. So just to give some people some concrete numbers, if you are aiming to run a 10-minute mile for, let's say, your 10K, your speed work may get you down to 8.30 pace, which would be a minute and a half faster than race pace. Now, let's say my goal is to run five-minute pace for a 10K. For me, maybe running 430 pace is going to only 30 seconds faster per mile is going to be the same deviation of center. So the slower you are in quotes, the larger discrepancy from race pace to speed work. And the faster you are, the smaller the discrepancy that window tightens up a bit. I just wanted to like clarify what you were saying because you'll see it across the board. So your spread as a, in quote, slower paced runner is going to be larger than your spread as a faster paced runner. That's all I really wanted to make mm-hmm. sure we cleaned up there. But then there's a second part to that, which is at some point for a, quote,
1: unquote, slower paced runner, the paces are all going to become one. Your half marathon might not be different from your marathon. In that calculator, it might say 10.05 and 10.17 because your duration, once you get to a 10 minute pace for a half marathon, you're running it. What what would that be for, for a half marathon 13, that'd be two hours and 10 minutes, roughly for a half marathon. Mm. Once you're already over the two hour mark, the difference between your two hour pace and your three hour pace or your three hour and your four are kind of indistinguishable because at that point, it's more about your endurance than any speed entering the equation. And so why it's like, would I do marathon pace intervals or half marathon, well, it's only 12 seconds per mile different. You're not going to notice that in your stride. The difference between those is once you get to marathon distance, you break down.
0: Right. Structurally.
1: Yeah. So between mile and 10K, you might have minutes difference per mile. But once you get to like half marathon and marathon, it might be the same pace because it's, it's really not much different. It's just, I could run this pace, but I can't go any faster, but I could hold it, but I don't know how long. So it's just, I'm rambling on this because it's a rambling topic. It's a muddy topic in assigning speed work. I think, is one of the most misjudged coaching topics out there. So here's my answer to it now. Okay. Oh, God.
0: Well, no, I I don't mean to keep belaboring your point, but just to follow up what you just said, it just sparked a thought. Like, How often, for me anyways, when you send over training plans, especially to a newer athlete, they're like, it's not very much speed work, or where's the speed work, or how come – there's no mm-hmm. speed work, they think. It's an interesting thing because of the the, w- the way people point it. Like if there's not 400-meter repeats on their schedule, they're like, where's the speed work? Right. Like, what do you mean where's the speed work? The speed work is right. there. Anyways, I don't know if you deal with that, but it's just a side tangent that you deal with as a coach. A bit. Yeah. Continue. Sorry.
1: Well, and, and early on, it's hard to assign it because you don't know what happens at different paces for them. And that's, I think, what I'm going to hone on right now, and I'll try to do it briefly. It's that, let's say again, that example, a 10-minute pace, 10K runner. That's a 60-minute race. Well, if science says that your lactate threshold exists somewhere between 35 or 40 and 60 minutes of all-out effort, in theory, you can work at 40-minute race pace or 60-minute race pace and still get really almost equivalent benefits from it. Just which stride is better or what what volume of work is better for you. But you're going to be on the spectrum in that range. And so for a for a 10K runner who's running a 60 minute, they can drop all the way down to 5K work and be done in like 35 minutes. So they can do threshold work at 5K pace. And so when people say, well, do this at 5K pace because we're working at VO2 max, like no, VO2 max scientifically is six to nine minutes of work. Like you're all out race pace for six to nine minutes, which elite, elite 5k runners running in the twelves, it's close to VO2 max pace, but for a 30 minute 5k runner, it's not. So right away, we run into these roadblocks of what is pace and race deviation all really mean. So then let's just talk about time or stride. And with stride at a 60 minute stride, you're using a very specific type of running form. And as you get a little faster and a little faster and a little faster, you eventually run into the fastest pace you can run with that same 60 minute-ish stride. Anything faster than that and your stride changes visually and it feels different. And that's where I would draw my line. That is now the fastest I would consider race pace-ish speed work. And that's where I would center most of my speed work around. And then I would save things significantly faster Since you're going to use a new stride anyways, you might as well run significantly faster and reap a lot of benefits of it. But especially for slower runners, finding the fastest pace you can run with a stride similar to your race stride is going to keep you in the realm of the same energy system you would be working, but it allows you to get faster. And then eventually you can start looking more at what paces are associated with that stride and then you work on that.
0: That's the key, keeping you in the same energy system that you're going to be asking your body to use on race day. I think it couldn't be any more simple than that. I I think the hard part is... People don't know their bodies that well, right? So it's like, you know, it's it's getting in touch with your body. Like, does this stride feel different? Is this my race stride? I don't know what this should feel like. And that's just something like we can't answer for you. You have to feel that out through trial and error and understanding. And eventually, the more and more you do this and these workouts and race, the more in touch you get with how things should feel and shouldn't feel. And when you're overreaching or underreaching, it's just one of those cloudy things that it's kind of like you got to put the time in to figure it out. I can't magically tell you. You'll just know it yeah you know what I'm saying yeah and so I think the easiest way to start is you choose your race that you're
1: prepping for and you choose the pace you think is your goal pace and you set up a camera or a mirror and you run on a treadmill at that pace. you just run at that pace and you start bumping up a tenth and a tenth mile per hour tenth of a mile per hour and a tenth and a tenth and a tenth until you notice a form change. And so if it was, I'm going to be running at six miles per hour on race day, then I run 6.1 and 6.2 and at 6.4, my form changes. I would center the vast majority of my quote unquote race pace or slightly faster at 6.4 miles per hour to start with. And then your goal would be early on just to be able to hold that stride longer or to run faster at that stride, maybe 6.5 or 6.6. And that would be considered faster than race pace work, but it's still within the realm of the stride you're using on race day. And then you would have actual what other people would consider speed speed work where you're running 200s or 400s with a significantly faster stride but then you can rest assured that the bulk of my work that is race pace, or faster is happening on a stride that will correlate to what i'm doing on race day and it's giving me sustainability on race day but i'm also doing fast
0: enough work that i'm getting more efficient at running well i think if we're gonna um Clean it up for people listening, because that's all correct. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like the, how can I say it in a way that isn't redundant? But for example, the further away, like, let's say you're a five k to half marathoner. Well, actually, I want to pose a question first. Do you think four hundred meter repeats are effective for a five k to half marathon, or do you think something? I'm just using it because it's a standard distance. Do you think it's even effective or could you get away without doing any of that, anything short like that and still run your best 5K or your best up to half marathon? Do you believe that would be true? I do, but I'm curious if you do as well. well. You and I both have the same bias, which is we
1: believe that you can run very, very, very close to your maximum capacity off of running threshold style workouts that you can get really close to your max and you don't have to do a ton of shorter some of those classic 200 or 400 meter interval sessions. We believe that because we believe that those 200 and 400s are reserved for when you're really fine tuning or sharpening or things like that. Are there some people that respond well to that? Yes, there absolutely are. But yeah, I believe and I've We've seen it too often, people pring even track races without touching that type of work yet. So yes, I believe you don't even have to do true speed work, and that's where you can just use it as skill work rather than doing a volume of speed work.
0: Well, good. You gave me the answer I was hoping for to set up the point I was trying to make, which is speed work isn't as short as you think it is. I think that's like one of the main things to get across today is like speed work isn't like... 400 meters and below or like some defined distance and I know we're getting repetitive but we need to drive it home like speed work does isn't as short as you think it is like speed work very well may be mile repeats for you speed work could be even up to two mile repeats depending on your race and what you're doing but like speed work doesn't mean like sprinting I think that's like the important thing like speed work means like efficient fast running that is race pace or slightly faster but it's not like speed work gotta go sprint on the track and do these ins and outs or Like the 200s you're talking about, yes, that should be part of your equation, but it should be a very small part of your equation. That's all I really wanted to get across by just cleaning it all up and saying, speed work isn't as short as you think it is. That's it. In my eyes. Yeah. Well, let's let's put some parameters on it then. Let's do it. To me, speed work gets
1: divided into two categories. 60 seconds or less or 60 seconds and longer. Okay. Now, I'd be willing to fudge the numbers on that But I do the vast majority of my work with a speed work between three and five or three and seven minute duration, bouts of duration. So intervals, three to seven minutes in length. That's the vast majority of my quote unquote speed work. And then a smaller majority is much spicier and it's 60 seconds or less. Okay. So 90 seconds to three minutes is also a pretty common range for people who want to work on the shorter end of the, the, the scale for speed work But for most endurance athletes 90 seconds to 3 minutes Or 3 minutes up to 7 minutes That's where they spend the bouts um, of, of intensity In their schedule And then they keep short stuff 10 seconds to 30 seconds Or 30 seconds to 60 seconds That's more of the skill And more of that lactate overload Lactate clearance What you're talking about Where you overload it And then you clear it
0: out During your rest Where the other ones You sip throughout yeah, I agree with that. I think that 60 second to three minutes is just that painful sweet spot. 90 seconds to three minutes. Oh, you want to talk about getting some work done. That's the, I love that. I love that anywhere really 90 seconds to five minutes if I'm really elaborating on it. But um, you know what I kind of think we should do as I'm looking at the clock here is, um, do you want to give them some tangibles? Do we want to throw... Um, throw some of our favorite speed sessions that might apply to the principles we're talking about. So people can jot some down Mm -hmm. and maybe play. What do you think?
1: Yeah. And I want to finish up the last point just in 20 seconds before we move on to that. And that is, I talked three to seven minutes. You talked 60 to three, you know, 60 seconds to three minutes is the real sweet spot. And I agree. I would say like 90 seconds to three minutes is probably the most normal spot to sit in. And then you've got 20 seconds up to 60 seconds or 90 seconds, and then three minutes up to seven minutes. Those kind of sit outside the normalcy Mm -hmm. realm there. And I think that where you spend more of your time is totally determined by your skill set. So for me, as someone who historically gets worse as the races get longer and can naturally go out and run close to two minutes in an 800 in any sort of fitness... I spend less time around 60 to 90 seconds and more time in that five to seven minute range because that addresses my weak end of the spectrum. And the mileage monsters, the aerobic kings who can run all day long at a pace but have trouble turning over will need to spend more time at that 90 seconds or less working on that end. So I agree, one to three minutes is a great range. Three to five is a great range. Outside of five or under 90 seconds is really reserved for Almost again, skill work. I need the skill of turning over for seven minutes.
0: Someone else might need the skill of turning over fast for sixty seconds. Yeah, that comes down to knowing yourself as an athlete, and hopefully, the more you train and race and time trial, the more you more you get to know yourself that way. So, if I if I just blanket, okay, let's just use these parameters for ten minutes. We can jabber about this five k to half marathon distance. Who cares of the terrain? Let's just disregard the terrain. Five k to half marathon distance. What do you like, and what what are some that just jump right to you? And you're like, I'm gonna work on efficiency. The three pillars I talked about: neurological adaptation, biomechanical efficiency, uh, RPE, meaning it's gonna make race pace seem easier. Like following those principles, what workouts come to mind?
1: Five K half marathon, three to five minute intervals. I think work for everyone. So for depending on your speed, that's anywhere from I don't know three to five minutes. 600 meters up to mile repeats depending on what your talent is for most people that'll sit between 800 meters and a thousand meters of work but that three to five minute duration intervals with half rest to one third rest meaning if you work for five minutes you rest for two and a half or if you work for five you rest all the way down to i would say yeah quarter to half rest for most people maybe a little bit under that I'm always I'm always a fan of 60 to 90 second rest. When I'm doing 3 to 5 minute reps, I'm usually 3 to or 60 to 90 second rest. So maybe I'll just say that as my blanket. 3 to 5 minute reps with 60 to 90 seconds of rest, that is my sweet spot where I would spend the vast majority of my time. And then from there I would pair that with skill like speed sprinkles, skill work of running fast 200s or 150s or uphill sprints.
0: Yeah i can't uh, disagree with that at all i think i'm going to push people towards more rest because we're going to get into this next week with the threshold and threshold intervals short recoveries controlled pacing all of that so if i'm looking at classic speed on my end i'm thinking for example i did five by a mile with three minutes walk recovery my heart rate got down to 100 Mm -hmm. beats a minute in that three minutes. So I could charge up and run well for an entire mile at goal 5k pace. And I think I right our current 5k. I think I accomplished that. And I also really like, and I know you like these two and you'd bring them up if I didn't, but setted intervals where you take those short rests, like Bracken's talking about one of my classics, like a four by four by 400 meters where you get both ends, you go 400 meters with 60 seconds rest, you do that four times, but after your fourth interval, you give yourself a big reset of three minutes to really reset so you can keep the quality of those 400 meter repeats high. You could do, I prescribe a lot, three by three by 800 meters for my athletes, 800 meters, 60 seconds rest, do that three times and then give yourself three minutes. For example, it's just enough where you're not fully recharging, but it gives you that reprieve every once in a while. So those, those, I don't know what you would call mm-hmm. them, set How would you call that? S- Setted doesn't that's not a good word. Setted intervals, but in sets, whatever you know what I mean. Yeah, intervals in sets, we'll call it. I didn't have an issue with saying set it, it's just that's not like an intelligent sounding word, but uh, I really like those out or really structured, like you said. Maybe it is three minute repeats or half mile repeats with two minutes rest standard, like just enough where you're like, I could rest less, but mm-hmm. my goal is to run fast and well. And so I'm going to allow that grace to me. This isn't the pillar of my training or my workouts. The threshold work is. But if you're going to swing, like, for example, Bracken, about every other week, I do what I would call a speed session. That's all I feel I need. Okay. And so when I do that, once every 14 days, I'm like, I'm going to rest so I can run well. I'm not even doing them every week, a true speed session. So that's that's where that's coming from. Then yes. I'm going
1: to modify my previous answer, Kirk. If we are looking at this, this isn't our main mover. This is an accompaniment to what we're going to talk about next week, which is threshold work. Give me one to two minutes of work. Keep it short. One to two minute, Mm -hmm. 60 on, 60 off, or two on, one off, two on, 90 seconds off, 90, 90, something like that. I'll stay in that one to two minute range. So I think everyone finds a sweet spot in there. I probably have to skew more towards 90 seconds to two minutes, uh, Someone with a bigger engine and less speed might want to go towards 60-60 intervals, but that's what I'll stay. One to two minutes of work and right around equal rest is, is where I would sit. And the, the, the biggest thing I will say here is that if you're new to speed work or you are concerned about using a different stride and not carrying it over is do it uphill, There's a ton of things that uphill speed work does, but the one thing that you can't do on it is run super prancy and bouncy. If you're only my, one of my biggest critiques of of the 60 to 90 second intervals is that you can get out really fast and bouncy, kind of sink into a stride for 20 or 30 seconds, and then kind of kick it in down the home stretch. Running 400s, I'd rather run 400s on a trail or a smooth road because on a track, invariably people get hard off the line on the first turn, coast for 200, and then crank it up again for the finish. And you're running two to three different strides, and it's not effective for your skill of running. But if you run uphill, you don't bound, sprint, bounce up the hill. You run a grindy stride. You're just turning over and churning, and that stride does translate to everything else you could want to do outside of sprinting. So when in doubt, this type of thing can be done uphill, and it smooths out all your concerns about injury or am I using an improper stride or not.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, And everything we're talking about could be translated to uphill work, Um to get race specific, but that's true. And it's much less injury averse too. Like you just, it's just safer. Although it sucks, it's safer. The other thing I wanted to add is. It does, it, Yeah. It, they, they can be a grind. Sometimes your legs go on you before your lungs do. And-, and I cut the, I cut almost everything
1: in half. Then if I was going to be doing two minute intervals flat, I'll start by doing it one minute uphill because it's mm. so hard to pace correctly. uphill. A two minute uphill, like fast work. turns into like 30 seconds of really good work, and then you fall apart and die for the next 90 seconds. It's hard to pace it correctly, so I lower the duration a little uphill to start with.
0: Yeah, that's when you're like the last 30 seconds. You just keep looking at the time and hoping it's going by, and you're just hanging on to get there. That's always turns into a slop fest. Even for the best of us Mm -hmm. who have our – we think we have it dialed. Like I find myself reaching towards the end of those sometimes. Um, The other one I was just going to suggest is ladder-type sessions. Things like I call the traditional, for example, where your speed session, it's a little bit of a hybrid, but it could be like two by a mile, two by 800, four by 400. Very simple. You progressively get a little quicker as you go. You could inverse it, or you could make sandwiches out of it. Mile, eights, fours, eights, mile. You could do any sort of ladder work. All of it is just working on understanding your body and its pacing at race pace or faster. And it's a good way to just speed play a little within to, to learn your efforts, right? Learn what's required of, um, of different durations. So, uh, I think the traditional ladder type stuff is like underrated in this sense. Um, it's also can be nice mentally for some people who are like, I just can't grind out eight by 800. That just sounds terrible. Well, hit one by a mile, four by eight and four by a quarter. And you got yourself the same amount of distance or close to. And so I would invite you to do like the traditional ladders about half recovery, half, I think is safe on most of that stuff to allow you to still run fast. I think that's a good starting point. And you can actually like on that principle, like let's say you come through your mile at seven minutes, hit it and then actually let the mile be your, like if it took you seven minutes, take three and a half minutes rest. And then you hit your 800 and you do that in three and a half minutes or three minutes, then guess what? Your your rest is exactly 90 seconds. You can actually let your interval time dictate your rest. Like actually just do that math real time. I, I like that style as well because then it doesn't matter how fast or slow you are. That workout is customized to you in the moment. So something to think about as well.
1: I love it. My single favorite workout like this is one two three one two three intervals. It's a great workout. And now I will talk race pace on this, but it's one minute at 3K pace. One minute super easy jog, two minutes at five k pace, two minutes easy jog, three minutes at ten k pace, three minute easy jog. And you just keep going one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, or the way I like to go, one, two, three. Two one, two, three, two, one, just up and down peak and valley, like that, but three k, five k ten k it it allows you to explore the subtleties and differences between your strides and to try to bring them together and just change your turnover throughout the workout, but you never spend too much time during one pace, but they all are kind of similar towards the end of the workout. Your stride at least gets pretty similar and allows you to scale it by. Um, trying to hit more rounds each time, but I really like that one for getting a lot of good race pace or faster work in, but in a less stressful manner,
0: probably my favorite workout of all time for all of time, and what I really like about that workout, like a three two one fart like is it really starts to allow you to get in touch with the difference in like 10 second per mile pacing. Like, oh, if I run seven minute yeah. pace, I'm on the line, but I can do this. But as soon as I went to 650 pace for my 3K pacing, I realized like I'm starting to be on borrowed time. And it helps you really get dialed into like nailing pacing for a duration. I feel like what your body can handle, I think 321 is probably the best workout for that. That little subtle changes allows you to really get in touch with what with where you're at. At least for me, it does. And the other variation of that one is you take one minute rest for
1: all of them. And then it really changes the dynamic of the workout. But both of them are fun workouts, but they're good. So let's wrap up then, Kirk, unless you have more of that style with the other end of the spectrum, the actually spicy stuff where we're working the skill of running fast. You and I both ran middle distance in college. And so we did big kind of monster speed workouts where it's the kind of stuff that would leave you destroyed just really, really cranking on workouts. I don't believe the distance runner needs that kind. I look at this like minimum effective dose. I think that like in college for the 800, we'd run a lot of 20 by 200 sessions or 10 by 400, all at faster than race pace. And they were nasty. We'd, take, we'd run 200 on, 200 walk and go until you couldn't run 27 or 28 seconds anymore. Like that—that's not necessary. So for me, four to eight hundred—I mean, four to eight reps of 200 meters—is a great workout for an endurance athlete. Start with four early in the season, progress until you can do eight, all with 200 meter jog rest. That's one of my favorites. Not pushing for crazy speed, but using a stride that's faster than you'll ever use in a pace, in a race. That's one of my favorites right there. Four to eight by 200 with 200 meter
0: jog rest. When would you plug that into a schedule? Cause it wouldn't be a full quality day. So when would you plug it in? Nope. That can be done after a threshold run.
1: Like it. That can be done after an easy run, or it can be done the evening before or the day before a quality session. Cause it's like you said, it's not a full quality
0: run, but it's so skill based that it's super effective. Yeah, you could squeeze it in at the end of your midweek long run. You could, heck, do your midweek long run to the track, hit them in the middle, continue on, uh, or on the roads 30 seconds on, 60 seconds off would be a good version of that if you just leave your door. 30 seconds hard, 60 seconds or more walk or jog recovery. Perfect. Yeah. I agree with that. And
1: I want to talk the execution of that. To make sure that we kind of set the tone for how we go about doing these this kind of thing let's say i get done with a 60-minute trail run and the trails that i do it are over by Hart park and tosa and there's a track right there so i do 60 minutes then i get to the track and i do a few warm-up drills to make sure that ankle flexibility and just my, my muscles are ready to spring off the ground and then i'm going to run first workout of the year is four by 200. And my goal is to get down to 30 or under by my last rep. And so I'm not starting from a standstill at the 200 because I don't need to ever do that as an endurance athlete. It only raises risk and it encourages uh, just peak and valley pacing throughout your rep. So I start jogging about 20 feet before the line and then build up to about the pace I'm going to use as I cross the start line. And then I hold that exact same stride. I try to be a metronome all the way through the line and try to come through in about 32 for the first one, then 31, then 30, and then I'll try to dip under and run 29 the last one. And that is the end of the workout. And I walk 200 meters in between, shaking my legs out, stretching a little bit, bouncing a little bit. And then the next time, my goal is to get there one faster and hold it one longer. So now I go 31 high, 31 low, 29 high and then hold it for one more rep something like that or 31 30 29 29 it's you add on a little bit each session but you're not pushing for speed and you roll into it so that you spend every stride of the entire rep using the stride you're trying to use rather than accelerate hard off the line using a sprint stride and then settle into your pace and then maybe run a different one towards the end you want to be a metronome with this because you're working on the skill of running fast, not getting out of the blocks, not getting off the line fast, not having a drive phase. You just want to run every stride perfectly.
0: Yep. Not creating a lot of damage. Again, it's not a standalone quality day. It's it's a skill day that you're finding room for in your schedule on non-quality days. And I agree yes. with you. The day after a quality session, not the time. You're going to be a little bit too probably beat up to run well fast. So the day before or like that midweek long run day um, where you have some flexibility, I think I I agree with you on that. Um, The other thing, and then we got to roll, is how often, and I know we could spend 20 minutes talking about it. In my opinion, once a week at most, but I really think a true session devoted every other week with the majority of all your other quality sessions focused on some sort of threshold intervals is enough. Now I'm coming from a place of tenureship. I've been running for decades. So we're different humans. I understand me between who you are listening, maybe just starting out. So it is nuanced and it does vary. But I think if you can take three out of four sessions and focus more on threshold, and then maybe one out of three or one out of four focus on like running fast and well with more recovery, I think that's enough in my opinion, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but that's that's right where my intuition goes with how, how frequently do we need a true speed session.
1: Outside of people who need to really develop that ability because they're so slow twitch, I think having it as a random day during the week, not random, but not as a standalone workout day, or having it as your starter or finisher to a threshold day is plenty. If you're going to do 10 by 3 minutes of threshold doing nine by three minutes and doing four by two first or four by 200 meters at the end, that's enough skill work for most people in a week and it doesn't compromise anything. That's how I use it. And what you're noticing here is that you might've come here expecting for all the secrets to all these great speed workouts and instead you're finding out next week's episode is what's gonna make us truly faster. This week, we're finding out about a little bit of skill work we can sprinkle in to make us better at running. But this isn't the secret to racing better. This is just a component to being better at running. It might be disappointing for some people to hear this episode because there aren't golden like rules and secrets. It's almost like do less of this and don't worry about it other than do enough to run well.
0: I think that's a great point to leave off. I think that was a perfect send-off there because that's how I wanted to end this thing. And you just...
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Put a bow tie on it. Well, unless you have more thoughts on the frequency, but I think I think um, you laid it out right. nicely. We're just teeing you up for next week, folks. We really are. Because how many of us post-collegiately are training to PR a mile?
1: Nick Riker yeah. is right now. Sure. It's like 1% of people.
0: Right. And this is totally with the assumption that you listening to this aren't ripping 800-meter races on the track. If this was a speed episode devoted to the miler, this conversation would be so different, but we're talking about you folks out there hitting 5K road races or OCR trail races or above. Yeah. 5K <laughs> or above. I'll put it in the show notes that this is for 5K <laughs> and above. Yeah. I, I would assume 95 to 99% of our listeners got to fall in that camp, right? Yeah. 100%? Yeah. and And just to
1: reassure you, Kirk's going to do some 5K racing this year. So he'll lead with example. He's not going to dedicate, I would guess, Kirk, not more than three weeks of doing more than one of these sessions per week.
0: Right. And I think I'm ready to jump in a 5K. Like I'm confident I could jump in now and run pretty well and look at what I've been doing other than my 400, 40 by 400 meters, which you could argue wasn't even a speed session because of the volume. Uh, (laughs) not, not much speed going on here. So, all right. I'm satisfied. Hopefully the listener satisfied. I think it's just like plan to be a little confused and leave with as many questions as answered with this stuff, because that's how it goes. that's what it is. Yeah.
1: Next episode is the episode that will make you a faster racer.
0: Yep. All right. Well, you'll see us Friday before then. And then Tuesday you'll get all those deets. That's right. See you guys.